All right, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. It looks like, uh, like we've got the normal crew here. So uh, Adam sent out a, uh, the email on, I don't know, Thursday or Friday. Had some, uh, some ideas. So I'm hoping, hopefully you got your coffee and you'll participate a little bit. It's not, not asking uh, for too much, hopefully. Um, and really, today's about outreach. So as Adam and I were talking about ideas for Sunday school, we were talking about also, uh, you know, what's coming up in the book of Acts that's, that could nest into some of that uh, sermon series as well and, and what have you. And so we talked about uh, uh, doing something on outreach. Uh, so as we go through today, uh, I borrowed some things from, uh, there's a great essay or article on uh, Gospel Coalition uh, website written by Richard Koken uh, on biblical evangelism. So if you're interested, you can go dive in a little more on that. Um, and as we dive in here, let's just open in prayer and then we'll, we'll jump right in. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word with others and to grow your kingdom. We ask that you'd put a fire in our hearts to do so even more than, than what we walked in the doors with today, and that you would equip us to do that in every way that's needed. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I think uh, rather than go and define what evangelism is, I think generally we all know, but in summary, right, it's proclaiming the gospel, uh, proclaiming the good news about Jesus Christ, which is God's power to save all who believe and to turn from sin to follow him. So, I'd also like to say, just looking around at who's, who's here in, today, is we can probably all agree that it's both a privilege and a priority, and it's intimidating sometimes, and it's time-consuming, right? You could probably throw a lot of different words at it and, and say this is a characteristic of that. Um, we could also say, you know, what, what are we sharing when we're sharing the gospel? You know, are, are we sharing that it's peace and hope, uh, those types of things. You know, and, and just to break it down a little further, maybe, it's, maybe those are more the benefits of it versus what we're really sharing, which is salvation through Christ and reconciliation with God. And so all those other things that are encouraging, that make it attractive to other people, uh, those things are all the benefits of it. Um, so... Uh, you know, we could, we could talk about that, and we can talk about a large number of verses in the Bible, which we're going to, hopefully, with your participation, uh, that talk about witnessing or evangelism or outreach or missions, and a lot of those terms probably come with some traditions and traditional meanings, so rather than dive into those and the difference between evangelism versus missions or whatever, and some of those, a lot of those are not actually biblical terms per se. They've been attached to it over the years. What we're really talking about is just reaching the lost, right? So I'm just going to put it in layman's terms, <laughs> keep, it, keep it as simple as possible. Uh, so to, to structure our discussion a little bit, um, we're going to dive into 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 6, 2. So if you want to flip there. You can follow along, and I'll read that. But this is where Paul is defending his evangelism, 
and he reveals five different motives for evangelism as they relate to Christ. So 2 Corinthians 5.9, and I'll read it, um, and then we'll, we'll structure our discussion around this. 2 Corinthians 5.9, so we make it our goal to please him, that's number one, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since, then, we know what, is, what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. Number two. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's, loves, for Christ's love compels us, number three, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, now, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We, there, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, number four, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation should be the fifth point. So if you break that down, I tried to highlight as we went through, and we'll, we'll uh, hit those key verses again, but Paul sort of breaks down five different things, right? Obedience, fear, gratitude, ambassadors of the message of reconciliation, and urgency. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to highlight that verse again, but then we're going to look for other verses. This is where I want you to jump in a little bit here. Other verses that might also uh, highlight that same point. Um, so the first is obedience to Christ. So 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absence, to be well-pleasing to him. So, you know, that's one of the motivations, right? We just want to obey. We want to please Christ because of what he's done for us. Um, what, what other verses come to mind about obedience, Right? These would be verses like commands and things to, to actually witness and to reach others. 
Anybody come up with, with anything? Anybody have one? This is the participation part. Yeah. I mean, it's really an easy one, but just thinking of the Great Commission itself, it's yeah. actually a manual command to go. Right, Great Commission, right? That's probably the most common one that people might jump at. What else? Well, in my cuts, I believe it's chapter 6, verse 8, it says, What does God require of us? You know, with the love, justice, and the loving kindness, and mercy, and more commonly with our God. Okay, so Micah 6 8, what God requires of us. Okay, so, well, the Great Commission, so that's Matthew 28, 19 through 20, right? Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, any, any other verses? There's a couple of similar ones in other Gospels, right? Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward command, right? Uh, give you a couple others to think about. So there's Acts 13, 47. For so the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Or John 20, 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And then uh, 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, exhort, and complete uh, patience and teaching, right? So, have the command to preach as well. John 6, 30, uh, 6, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, that any man should ask by this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, clearly there's commands to obey, right? And this is one of the things we've been charged to do, right? Um, if you keep reading in 2 Corinthians 5, get down to verse 11, it talks about, right, it says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, right? So we, we also are motivated by fear, right? <laughs> because we understand the judgment uh, that will take place in who God is. Are there, are there any other verses that come to mind that for you maybe personally that, you know, I got to do this because if I don't, you know, there's an or else, right? Right, so if you're in the Lord's beginning of wisdom and knowledge, yeah, then. Dave, not, not a particularly um, evangelical, evangelistic passage, but still applies in, um, in Jude 1-3, um, where Paul says he appeals, uh, excuse me, Jude appeals to, appears to 
contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And so he's talking about confronting false teaching in the church, but it, it, it does dovetail, and, and we should still contend for the faith even without believers. Yeah. So in Jude, contending with the faith. You know, it's interesting. Uh, in that article that I was reading, um, there's a good quote, I think, that, that talks about how you know, Christ will reward our evangelism because among the many ways we love our communities and relieve suffering, evangelism is the highest priority and it rescues people from eternal salvation. What does God really want from us, right? And, and, um, and so as we're, as we're doing things with the fear of God and Christ, and that, you know, you don't have to do a show of hands, but does anybody, is anybody motivated by the fear of God? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, that's a motivation, right? It's, it's one of the things that makes us go, why should I be doing this? And, you know, we're motivated by different things. Okay, so as we keep going, 2 Corinthians 5.14 talks about the love of Christ compelling us. So, any other verses that come to mind about the love of Christ? And that's what sort of, you know, you latch on to and say, well, that's why, yeah, that's why I got to share it, because... Right? Out of gratitude for Christ. Because of his love, I need to I need to go do that. Right? So it's not just a straight up obedience like I'm obeying because I've been told. It's I'm obeying because of what Christ did for me. Right? There's there's a little bit difference there. So yeah, Daniel? Uh, John fifteen. Um, actually it goes back to your first one as well. Verse uh, verse eight, by this my father is glorified, which appear much fruit, so fruit. Yeah, yeah, and John 15, yeah, so Daniel's saying it's sort of a loop thought, right? If you, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, so obey me, right? Uh, sort of hits on both, both those points. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay. And let's, let's keep going along because there's more participation later. Um, the fourth point is we're ambassadors for the me- message of re- reconciliation. So Second uh, Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So, okay, uh, what I do is I, I went back and I'm like, okay, I, I always love this verse because I love the ambassador thing. But if you've never been part of international politics and deal with the State Department and stuff, it might not resonate quite the same, right? Um, but I went back to the dictionary and, and the Merriam-Webster, Merriam-Webster dictionary defines the ambassador. And I'm going to remove all the diplomatic references because I think it makes better sense, right? Because there's obviously a diplomatic piece. It's, it's defined that way. But if you remove the diplomatic words, then it says, an agent of the highest rank accredited to the sovereign, to a sovereign, as the resident representative of his or her own sovereign or appointed for a special assignment. Or if you want the simpler second definition, an authorized representative or messenger. But, I mean, if you really, if you, if you take out those diplomatic words, right, it, it, it sort of speaks to it, right? We're, we're held of enough importance that God has said, you... I want you to spread your message, right? We're his representative uh, at the highest ranks, quite honestly, right? Because we're entrusted with the most important message. And what's interesting is they also use the words as a resident representative, right? So we're a representative where we are 
where we reside, um, what we're doing. Okay, so, you know, I'll just throw out a rhetorical question here. Do we want to see others reconciled? You know, it's easy sometimes to, to sort of latch on to they're evil, right? And they don't deserve it. And yeah, we know we're supposed to want it. Uh, but do we want it or do we end up sort of like Jonah? We really don't like them. We really don't we would want to even give the message to them because we really don't even want to interact with them kind of thing. And I don't think any of us would probably say that out loud, but ask yourselves if you ever have those thoughts. Um, because, you know, that's, that's not an uncommon thought, right? I think that's part of why God put the book of Jonah in the Bible for us. This is an example about those things. Um, so, uh, any other verses about being ambassadors or, you know, sharing that message of reconciliation? Anything come to mind there? Yeah, Paul. See that First Peter 3.15 about being ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're an ambassador in another country and somebody asks you a question about the United States, you should probably be able to describe what the United States is. Right? Same thing as being a Christian. <laughs> Not much different, right? Because <laughs> otherwise, how good of an ambassador can you be? Uh, Romans 10.14 is, is another uh, verse that might jump out. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Right? So if, if we're not out there spreading the word, then how are folks supposed to hear? Okay, uh, the fifth point, moving on to 2 Corinthians 6.2, being sort of the summary verse, if you will. You know, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So this urgency, right, because we don't know when Christ is coming, going back to Matthew 24, 42 to 44, which talks about we don't know what hour the Lord is coming. Um, so therefore, be ready, right? And part of being ready is, since you don't know when he's coming, We've got to share the gospel now, because if he's coming five minutes from now, that person might not have heard, right? Um, this, this, of course, in the early 20th century was a lot of sort of maybe you say late 19th century. It was a lot of the zeal of the hellfire and brimstone kind of preaching um, that was taking place, because a lot of people did believe and you know, just obviously didn't know when Christ was coming, but thought Christ was coming soon, right? And so there was a sense of urgency about that. Is there, are there any other verses that come to mind on that? Ambassador, uh, Peter and uh, John 13. He watches Jesus speak. Okay. Peter said unto him, Lord, do thou wash my feet. Jesus answered and What do I do? Thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Okay. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus said unto him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with it. Yeah. So I would think as ambassadors, 
how, how we interact with others. Yeah. 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 So Zachary's back on the ambassador point, talking about his, you know Peter washing feet and how do we interact with others? How do we reach out to others? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. So um, so we got these five different areas, right? Um, and the author of the article, again, I'll just take out a little snippet, says, so our evangelism should be motivated by obedience to Christ's command, fear of Christ's judgment, gratitude for Christ's love, responsibility for Christ's message reaching others, and excitement at the opportunities granted by Christ in these days which we live. So, so I'm going to ask another rhetorical question. You'd have to have a show of hands. But if you were to pick one or two of these five areas, which are the things that motivate you or drive you, right? I mean, maybe, like urgency. What, what's the most effective, uh, malicious computer, malware, whatever strategy that's out there? I do I have to do all this training, and I used to do it in the government. Daniel probably knows. The sense of urgency, right? Click on this now, or you might not get paid. Click on it, now your whole company has a virus. Congratulations, right? Well, it's not that, but it is a motivating thing, right? It makes people do things when you feel like you have a sense of urgency. So, so you know, just as an example there, but, but if out of these five things, you know, just ask yourself as I read through them, which, which are the things that really motivate you? And, it, and there's no right answer or wrong answer. We're all made different, we're all wired different, and that's fine because collectively, all five of these probably motivate us collectively in some way or another that will help us share the gospel. So, uh, so there's obedience, fear, gratitude, being an ambassador with the right message, and urgency. Okay, so now I'm going to make it a little less rhetorical. You can just shout it out, though, right? So... Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like point to anybody. Which one motivates you the most? Just say it. I only heard like one person. Which one motivates you the most? Okay, it's a little bit of everything, right? And I think, and I think it's, um, you know, you might have a combination. It might be all five in in some substantial way, uh, and that's okay. Uh, like I said, um, there's lots of things. Uh, that will motivate us at different phases in our life, right? Um, but there should be a motivation there, uh, I think we, we see, uh, based on the gospel. Well, let, I'll ask you this, and I'll keep it rhetorical. Are you excited about the opportunity or intimidated about the task? I said a certain way for a reason. Yeah, so... You know, in other words, when you think of evangelism and outreach, is it I get to or I have to? Because I, I have to becomes a burden. I get to becomes something enjoyable and fun. And, you know, you, you feel like it's uh, something that's going to energize you and what have you. So you can think about that. I think at times through my life, I'll just, you know, personal is at times it has just seemed like a task. And I've been very ineffective when it feels like a task. But then when I started thinking about, 
And that's and that's sometimes that's the road you can end up on just if obedience is the absolute big main driver of things, right? And that's the danger sometimes of that is that can really drive you to it just becoming a task. Um, that's why I think it's helpful to understand, hey, there's all these other motivating things, and we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Christ did this for us, therefore we do this. Or I get to be the ambassador. I get to be the spokesperson, right? Um, th- those other things are the things that can balance it so it doesn't weigh too heavy one side or the other um, of, of things, and, and we have a, a good balance of that. Okay, so um, there's a few different major methods of, uh, I don't know if methods is the right word, but ma- major methods of evangelism. I took some out of the article and then I added one in there as well, but you know, one talks about a loving church, right? Um, Acts 2, 42 to 27, which we just studied in one of the sermons, was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, right? And part of the draw undoubtedly in the early church was it was a different type of community and, and how they related to God uh, and each other that way. Uh, another, another item the article suggests is a respectful manner. The Apostle Peter instructs Christians uh, across the you know, scattered across the Roman Empire to speak with uh, honesty and, and respectfully in First Peter 3, 13 through 17, which Paul already uh, mentioned here earlier, you know, talks about doing that with gentleness and respect and that we have a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against our good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So, you know, that... that that section there talks about, hey, you got to be equipped to answer, got to be ready to testify, but at the same time, we have to speak uh, with the right gentleness and respectfulness. And let's face it, those of us who have interacted with other people and they haven't spoken with gentleness, how much do we really want to continue the conversation, right? Or if they're not respectful, how much do they really want to continue the conversation? I can think most of us would probably say, nah, not too interested, right? I'll just move on and have a conversation that's a little more pleasant. Um, uh, another area, uh, one that I sort of threw in because it, it just sort of stood out, is, is that we uh, need to be courageous in, in how we do it, right? What are, what are some of the reasons that we tend not to want to evangelize or spread the gospel? Or I, we all want to spread the gospel, I got it. But what are some of the reasons or inhibitors to that? Yeah. Unbelief. Unbelief, Okay. Unbelief in God's sovereignty and unbelief that it's working. Go out. That it's working. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Fear. Fear of judgment. Yeah. Yep. Any anything else? Just busy. We fill our lives with so many things, and it's like, yeah. oh, I don't have time to have this conversation right this minute. Maybe there'll be another opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a good one. So when we look at those, um, you know, just going back to Adam's sermon just a couple weeks ago, right, we don't really have to worry about the fear aspect, at least, so much, because, one, we got the Holy Spirit, right? Christ promises that. We can see the Holy Spirit at work, 
Um, so, uh, you know, we, we have one of the parts of the triune God working for us and through us. That should be pretty empowering, right? I think sometimes maybe we lose sight of that piece. The, the other piece is, you know, God is sovereign. So, you know, not to get cocky about it, but we're on the higher ground, right? I mean, you can't be in a better position, right? We, you know, we put it in today's sort of worldview terms, whatever. We, we got the diplomatic here. We, I mean, we got the religious superpower, right? We, I mean, we, there's only one superpower. It's God. So, um, so when you realize that, and, you know, again, former military, it's a lot easier to go into combat when you know you got a superpower's worth of combat power standing behind you, right? Than it is if you're riding horseback and you're facing tanks. Uh, you know, so you know, just think about some of that as well. Um, so you know, Acts one eight, I, I just like that verse so much, right? Because it talks about, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, and, you know, we can just rephrase that so simply, and again, the Holy Spirit being the focus of it, right? It's Christ's words, with the Holy Spirit, so you got two of the triune God <laughs> right there. that <laughs> um, says, okay, let's, let's just rephrase it and put it in modern day terms. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in filling your town, independence, wherever it is and in all the KC metro area, and in the United States, and the rest of the world, right? We could sort of rebrand it, if you will, and it would be perfectly accurate in today's context about that. So, yeah, if we go back to Adam's sermon, you know, God's sovereign. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the superpower. Now it's just, we actually have to, like, go and do, right? Um, the fourth area was cultural flexibility. And, and the author, I hadn't really thought as much about this uh, to a degree, but the author talks about how Paul explains in 1 Corinthians how he's trying to, you know, he's not going to twist the gospel message to, or in order to make it more palatable, but he's always willing to be culturally flexible and contextualize his ministry, Right? 1 Corinthians 9.22, where he talks about to the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might, uh, that I might uh, by all means save some. So that's a hard one in today, because then you read other verses that talk about, you know, don't participate with the wicked, right, and stuff, and you're like, well, how in the world do I balance that? How do we do that? Has anybody seen the uh, the recent movie that came out, Jesus Revolution? Nobody saw that yet? Uh, I'm going to, okay, I'll try not to mess up the storyline at all. But it, it's about the beginning of the Calvary Chapel, but it's less about the church and more about what happened in the late 60s, early 70s with the hippies and, and reaching them for Christ. That's really the context of the movie. There's one, one scene in there. So I'm not giving away the whole plot because it's early in the movie. But there's one scene where um, Pastor Chuck Smith finally meets a hippie because he said, I want to meet a hippie, right? And he meets a Christian hippie. 
And, and so they're having a conversation, and, and the Christian hippie basically says, look, all these people are hurting, they're searching, that's why they're doing drugs, that's why they're trying to, you know, free their minds, blah, blah, blah. And they're searching and searching, and the doors of your church are closed. They don't feel welcome at all, and they're not going to walk through the doors unless they feel welcome. And then you can see the light bulb go on in his brain, right, where he's like, I've got to approach ministry differently. Can't just do the same old thing that's always been done. So it's actually a good movie. I recommend it. Um, uh, but, uh, but the point is, you know, just an example, just 50 years ago, about, you could say, ar- arguably based on numbers of people that joined the church and, and became Christians, that was the largest awakening in the 20th century. Um, you know, just as an example of how the Holy Spirit will work when we're willing to adopt new methods or adapt how we think and, and interact with other people. Okay, and then the fifth point is uh, honest sincerity. Second uh, Corinthians 2.17 talks about, so for we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So how many folks have... Uh, heard somebody say in the past, I left the church or I don't want anything to do with the church because of hypocrisy, right? Has everybody probably interacted with somebody that said something like that? I, I, I would probably, I haven't done research on this, so I'm just going to take a swag. That's probably the number one excuse for why, they, why folks don't want things to do with the church, who were in the church growing up, right? Not necessarily who had nothing to do with the church before, but we're in the church. So, and I'd offer their perception is their reality, right? So you could argue it all day long, but it's still their perception and it's still going to become their reality. So, um, so if we flip over, just go ahead and flip over to 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 7. I'm just going to read through this real quick because I would like to get down to uh, the next section here. So 1, 1 Corinthians 1, 4. Uh, starting in verse 1 there, or 1 Corinthians 4, 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness, nor handling, in the, word of God, or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So basically, we're telling the truth. Right? Tell the truth. That's, that's one way to be sincere. Continuing reading on. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So we should expect that they're not necessarily going to understand that they're, they're blind to these things. We should be able to relate to that because at one point we were ourselves. Um, but that should be an expectation. Continuing reading on in verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. So we're proclaiming Christ, right? Um, and, and, it's, and when you're proclaiming Christ versus ourselves, then that is 
what the object is. That is who the object is um, in that. And then going down uh, verses 6 and then 7, I'll, I'll just pick up in 7. But we have this treasure in earthly earthen vessels, that excellence of power may be of God and not of us. So we approach it with humility, right? We're those earthen vessels. We're fragile. Um, and look, humility, humility is one of those things that makes people listen because nobody wants to really be told, right? I mean, at least culturally, people don't just want to be told what they have to believe. Um, so that just in that short passage of those seven verses, you know, there's four things we could, should be able to draw out, right? Tell the truth. You don't have to twist it in any way. It's true, so all we have to do is relate that. We shouldn't expect that everybody's going to understand the, the first go, uh, certainly. Uh, we proclaim Christ, because that's the object. He's the object, and then we approach it with humility. Okay, so uh, we're going to continue on here with uh, just, uh, you know, you could probably find lists of things for best actions, you know, or, or practices for action. Every list that's of cre- any kind of credibility will start with the same exact thing, prayer, right? Pray that God will use us, pray that the Holy Spirit will work, um, and, and have that targeted prayer. Uh, Valerie and I were talking on the way here this morning, we went to a missions conference years ago, um, and the missionary said everything they were trying wasn't working, and then they finally just stopped and just started praying. And started praying for individuals. And started praying that God would lead them, and it changed the whole ministry, and then it started really growing uh, effectively because the Holy Spirit was in charge at that point in driving things. Um, another another uh, best action is is to prepare, to be comfortable with the invitation. So, anybody not done public speaking, then all of a sudden had to do some sort of like speaking engagement or lead a class or something. Yeah? It's pretty intimidating if you haven't done it, right? Or if I were to ask you to come up here right now and finish teaching the class, some of you would be like, I don't think so. Right? Not too interested. So, um, but I, I would tell you, just from a lot of experience, public speaking, what have you, all that gets easier with practice, right? So, if we haven't practiced inviting people to do things, to participate in this, inviting them into conversations, then why would we expect it would be easy when we're confronted with that? So it's something to think about. I mean, it's just practical application, right? Is, you know, who can we practice with? You know, practice with your spouse. Before you go invite your neighbor, if you're not sure how it's going to come across, you don't need to get all your nerves up. You just need to get some repetition in, right? And the more reps we get in, the easier it becomes. Um, it's like training for just about anything. Um, another, another point uh, to bring up is asking questions, listening, and paying attention so that we're ready to present the gospel when the opportunity arises. Right? How many times do we find ourselves thinking of the response before whatever is being said has even been finished being said, you know, because we want to continue the conversation. But sometimes that extra ounce of patience and actually listening, and, and it's a hard thing to actively listen sometimes with the pace of life, but listening and then 
allowing the spirit to help us formulate the thought versus us formulating the thought just to keep the conversation going uh, can be a critical thing. Uh, sharing your story is one of the most powerful ways, right? People want to hear others' experiences. In fact, even more so in today's culture, people want to hear why something's important to somebody else or what have you. So um, I would just offer this. Uh, and this comes from now what I'm doing in business development, right? You got the long version, which is awesome. And there's so many components to it. But then you normally don't have time for the long version. So you really got to have a short version. You know, it's the elevator pitch, so to speak. It's not a pitch. It's not a sales thing. But you know what I mean? Like, if you can't say in 90 seconds or less why Christ is important to you, excuse me, why Christ is important to you and, or what he's done in your life, then you're probably going to lose a lot of opportunities to talk to people. And this is something we can practice. And if we had more time, I was actually going to have you try to practice that. But think, 90 seconds or less, can you articulate that? And if you don't think you can, that might be something worth starting to jot down on a piece of paper and actually go through. Because you might only have 90 seconds to pique somebody's interest, especially in today's Twitterverse, right, um, where people aren't engaged for that long. Okay, uh, and, then, and then another uh, idea is just to do some research, right, about, if we're, especially when we're talking about in the community, what have others done that's worked or not worked? Why hasn't it worked? Why has it worked, right? Um, build on success in some cases. In other cases, don't replicate things that have already been done. Um, but I, I would offer, we're a country church, you know, just based on the setting, right? So wasn't like some previous churches Valerie and I have been at where you're right in the, I wouldn't say the city, but more populated area. Um, and, you know, there's events going on all the time that you could figure out how to plug into. Here we have to make a little more of an effort to get outside our doors. Otherwise it's just very dangerously passive uh, to where we just um, sort of wait for people to show up. So, okay, so we're going to spend the last few minutes on, on just you know, throwing out some ideas about how we could both on a personal level, and then I'll call it the ecclesiastical level, right, the church body level, um, different things we could potentially do to, uh, to, to try to reach others or to try to at least be able to interact with others to where we could do these things. Yeah. Because I've always thought about it, um, and this might be a little bit but uh, 435 23rd Street, right there at that beautiful intersection. Flying a sign saying, God loves you. Okay. So just a simple, God loves you sign at the right place, at the right intersection or something. Okay. Uh, it might seem unorthodox. Yeah. But I have a lot of time on my hands. And um, why not? Okay. okay. There you go. Okay, so maybe that's something, right? Um, what about with neighbors? Let, let's we'll break it down a little more structure. What about with neighbors? What what are some ideas of how, how you could interact with neighbors? There's no right answers on the you know. Yeah.
Right. And, and, and I would offer then, and that, that itself lets them know that you care. Um, obviously, lets them know you're a Christian, so hopefully they'll have more of a conversation. I would offer the second step of that is, after you pray for them, go back and ask how they're doing, right? Because then they really know you care. Because, and you probably have been praying for them. So, but in today's culture, a lot of folks, yeah, I'll pray for you. It's almost like, have a great day, right? Um, that kind of thing. And so the follow-up is what becomes the most important. Um, any, other, any other ideas at the personal level? I'm going to I'll read off a list here in a second. Just Back to just prayer. One of the, um, I found just praying for people on the spot is a really effective way to give the gospel. Because people usually don't interrupt yeah. my prayer. Um, you can pray, pray the gospel all over from uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, in the, yeah, so take, take what Gary said and add to what, what Paul just added, which is, can I pray for you right now? I mean, that, wouldn't that be more powerful than... I'll just pray for you. And then, yeah, you can just pray the gospel on them. Right. When you go to a restaurant and you're talking about Jesus, don't leave a poor kid. Yeah. Yeah. Don't leave a poor tip at the restaurant if you've been talking about Christ in front of your waitress or waiter or something, right? Okay, let, let me, just for the sake of time, I'm just going to read off a few, few more. Uh, and these are really just plan ideas, right? So there's, Again, it's not an exhaustive list, but obviously there's hospitality, right? Invite them over to dinner, cook out, maybe just drinks. Maybe, hey, come on over, have some iced tea with us, sit on the back deck and just talk or whatever, right? It doesn't have to be super involved uh, for all that. Um, learn their names. That's probably one of the most effective ways to start a relationship with people. Um, people don't want to be the hey you or that person across the street, um, Pray intentionally for them, which we talked about. Uh, invite their kids to uh, children's events at, at church, maybe. Uh, you might, might leave them baked goods or homegrown vegetables in a note, right? You can put something in a note. If you're not comfortable with the direct interaction, you'll put it in a note, right? They're not going to say, hey, I loved your vegetables, I hated your note, right? It's almost not going to happen, right? So, um, you know, you could do the same sort of thing, right, at like Christmas time, right? If you like to bake or something, you could do the same sort of thing. Um, and again, you can put the gospel message right on there. Um, when it comes from you more personally as opposed to a track, that's probably more, uh, more interesting to most people. Uh, there's acts of kindness, right? It might be something like grocery runs for the elderly. Hey, can I pick something up for you? I know you have problems getting out of the house, or somebody that's had injury at home. Um, you know, some of these things are things you can do with your kids, right? Maybe you clean up the yards of, of more needy folks, or people that are working two jobs because, you know, maybe they're divorced and they have kids or something, and, and there's things you can do to, to help that, that then uh, set things apart. Uh, you know, you could could be as simple as starting a reading club or a walking group or, or something, right? Boy, you go out on a walking group, people are going to talk. Um, you know, you get people talking all day. Uh, for coworkers, you know, obviously we talk, take an interest in their families and, and what's going on, take an interest in their hobbies. But more than the hobby is, why do you enjoy that? Because you can almost bring that back. You can almost always bring that back. Like a lot of people like doing outdoor stuff, especially in Missouri, right? 
So you can bring that back to God's creation and all sorts of things to get to the gospel message pretty quick, actually. Um, when, you ask how when they ask you how your weekend was, without the big expository uh, response, um, talk about the truths you learn here. They just opened the door, right? Um, now, you have to pay attention to how much time they have and, and all that, because otherwise you might turn them off by giving them too long of an answer. But think about that. It might be something you do after church on Sundays is, if somebody asked me how, how my weekend was, how could I respond back in, again, I'll say 90 seconds or less, what I learned at church and why it was a good service and why I have more joy in my life. Um, you know, does, does your business have a Bible study or prayer group? Could you offer to start one? More businesses are actually, they don't mind that because they see value in the community and the business. So if it's done at lunchtime and stuff, a lot of businesses will say, yeah, okay. It's no skin off their back if you're doing it on your lunchtime. They don't really care. Um, you know, I, I found one interesting thing as I was doing some research, right? You know, providing meals, snacks, gift baskets, and other treats with, you know, notes in like a teacher's lounge at a school. I hadn't really thought about that, but I'm like, wow, that would be really interesting to try. Um, okay, more on the ecclesiastical or communal side. Uh, at the local level, we sh maybe we should think about how we partner with other churches, right? We don't necessarily have to do everything on our own. There's lots of other initiatives in the area, and sometimes more workers make the load a little bit lighter, and we could be more effective uh, doing that. Um, we also don't need to duplicate all the efforts of, of other churches um, in the area that we might be able to partner with. Um, obviously, there's VBS. That, that's, a, that's a great opportunity as, as we have uh, different opportunities in the future. Maybe we uh, you know, adjust how we do VBS to, to make it more of an outreach thing for kids. Um, we can think about things like seasonal or, you know, festivals, events that will draw people in. And look, we got a lot of kids, so it's easy to do things for the kids in the church and invite others. You know, we just need to pick the right things that make sense, and, and we've got uh, the momentum behind it. With all the musicians in this church, you could, we could actually run like a music camp. That would be an interesting thing. That would be very different. Don't see that a lot. Um, there's a lot of folks that uh, might be interested Along those same lines, maybe we have a concert, right? I love hymn sings, but maybe you have a concert that also draws people in uh, for di something different. Um, you know, there's City Union Mission. There's lots of, lots of things you can do with them. Maybe we set up booths at events. There's, you know, 5Ks, there's 10Ks, that kind of stuff around the area. You know, I've seen some churches that put a new label on the water bottle. It's got the gospel message on it. It's got the... You know, church name, it's less about advertising the church, just letting them know where they can out, you know, reach back out to, but go hand out water bottles at the events. If it reaches a few, it's probably worth it. Um, you know, in the future, maybe we think about things like sports camps. Adam's mentioned that before. What about tutoring? You know, a lot of us have pretty good educations. Could we offer to do some tutoring? Then you got straight up one-on-one -on -one time with kids. It's, uh, and you don't necessarily, just because you're a tutor, you don't necessarily have to tutor 20 kids, right? It could just be one. Um, with all the young mothers in our church, maybe we could do things like parental classes for expecting parents. I wouldn't, that's actually something a lot of people would be interested in because they might not have had the right upbringing and they're looking for answers. 
um, along with that, or maybe not with that, maybe it could be separate, you know, baby supplies. We've done some different drives in the past. Um, but it's one thing to collect the supplies, it's another thing to hand them out to the people who need to hear God's word, right? Um, what about things like helping people with resumes? A lot of you have worked in the workplace, have done a bunch of resumes over the years. You put on a resume workshop, invite people in. It doesn't have to be here at these church grounds. It could be somewhere else sponsored by us. Now you could do the same thing with career counseling for high school or adults. Right? Same, same sort of methodology or interview coaching. Anybody will take that up who's looking for a job. Right? How to do a good interview. Um, my brother-in-law, Steve, who's a missionary over in Washington, D.C., he leads ESL classes. That's about the best way, actually, to reach the Muslim population because a lot of immigrants who are Muslims will go to ESL classes. And then you're just weaving in the word of God in normal instruction into things. And that's where relationships get built a lot. In fact, they've, they've had their largest number of converts as a result of his ministry in ESL. Uh, again, uh, let's see, going down a little bit farther. And then maybe there's some adult events. You know, I've thrown out before, you heard me say this probably a while back, was, you know, what if you did like a sweetheart banquet kind of thing, you know, where, we're, yeah, it's, it's sort of for the church body and it's sort of a date night and it's not a, necessarily this big religious thing, but it's something you can invite your neighbors to and say, hey, we've got this event at our church. You know, it's a sweetheart banquet. We're going to have some music, going to have some fun. Are you interested in coming, right? And it's sort of an easy thing to invite them to. Uh, one church we were at, we actually did a swing dance. We actually cleared out the sanctuary because we had hardwood floors, and, and we did a swing dance inside the sanctuary. There was nothing particularly other. The message was shared that night, but it was actually folks just getting out and having fun and inviting people in. And you would be surprised how many people from the community just showed up just because they like swing dance, right? Um, okay, so things like that. Uh, we've done in the past, we've done Operation Christmas Child. Really starts planning like two months from now if, you're gonna, if we're going to do it really well and make it a great drive, but we can partner with other churches on that. Um, obviously, we have missions, right? There's, there's things our kids could be doing, like um, encouraging the missionaries' kids with letters to the, from kids to kids. Um, that doesn't happen a lot of times, uh, those types of things. Okay, so the point is, all this takes time, though. So I just asked this question. Have we budgeted time in our schedules for outreach? Because the answer is no, we shouldn't expect that we're going to be good at outreach. Right? It takes time to listen to somebody. It takes time to do something for somebody else. It takes time to be involved in an event. Um, and so if this is really important, regardless of how you're driven by obedience, fear, whatever the case is, and we should be budgeting time in accordance with that, right? So think about that. I, that's something I struggle with because I tend to fill up my day from beginning to, to end, which means I'm probably not taking the time to, to do some things uh, that I could. Okay, so we'll just leave you with this verse, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We have a piece of that today and now, and, and both as individuals and as the church body. So what's your part going to be? What's my part going to be?
right? Asking it to myself. Whether it's supporting cast or leadership role, what's your part going to be? And where do your gifts and passions lie? And how can you leverage those? So let's pray, and then let's act, and keep getting after it. Okay, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it helps guide us in how we should respond to you. And, and Lord, we, we thank you for you know, what you've given us. And we ask that you would motivate us in each of the individual ways. Each of us need to be motivated to, to get out there and spread your gospel. We ask that your kingdom would grow as a result of the efforts of everyone here and in this church. And the Grace Bible Church would be a beacon of light in a dark society. And Lord, we ask that you would um, give us your blessing and that you would help motivate us where we need it, help us budget our time the right way, and ultimately just grow your kingdom through us and let us be your vessels. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks.